Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Welcome, football fans, to this NBC Sports Radio and NBCSN remote broadcast event. We are on the road at the NFL Scouting Combine, live from Indianapolis. It's Pro Football Talk Live. Let's do this, Florio. The vote came at roughly 1 a.m. on Wednesday, local time. NFL Players Association Board of Player Representatives has adopted the proposal on a new collective bargaining agreement. Georgia Tala, the NFLPA spokesman, announced the outcome of the vote on Twitter, 105 a.m., Said Georgia Tala, the NFLPA Board of Player Representatives voted to send the proposed collective bargaining agreement to the membership for a vote. Now, that doesn't mean it was sent with a recommendation. Remember, the NFLPA tweaked the rules on Monday in a memo that was sent to all agents explaining that the proposed CBA would only be sent to the full union if a majority of the board votes in favor of it. That is nowhere in the Constitution. If two-thirds vote for it, it goes with a recommendation. So what's going to happen is it's going to go without a recommendation because, I'm told, the final vote among the 32-member Board of Player Representatives was 17 to 14 with one abstention. So 17 votes were needed, and exactly 17 votes were obtained. I don't know whether it was a voice vote or a secret ballot. One thing to remember with a secret ballot The most powerful person in the room isn't the person voting. It's the person counting the votes. I'm not saying that anything untoward occurred. All I'm saying is, in a secret ballot, the most powerful person is the one counting the votes. That's all I'm saying. Regardless, the measure moves forward, 17-14 to 1, and now the full union, 1,900 members, roughly, dues-paying members, they will now have an up or down vote. And the belief is that the full union will vote in favor of the proposal. That doesn't mean it's going to go unanimously or two-thirds or three-quarters. All it takes is 50% plus one. 
And as one agent told me over the weekend, most players right now are playing Xbox and smoking weed. They don't really care about the union issues, the CBA, or anything like that. They're relaxing. They're away from the game. They have a limited window before they have to go back to work for the offseason program. And that is work, even though it's not football season. They're working out. They're getting instruction. They're getting ready for the season. And that progress continues and culminates in phase three of the offseason program, which is basically practice without pads. And then they get a little time off after that, and then it's back to it. So they're trying to enjoy their time off, and they're not caught up in these details. And most people don't care about these details. The best news, I think, for everyone, if this vote goes through, is we can quit talking about it. Because we have to cover it. But I know from tracking in real time what people are reading and what they're not reading, most people don't care about our stories on the CBA. Somebody told me over the weekend, your primary audience for the stories that you write about the CBA are the league office, 28 to 30 of the owners, maybe, maybe 80% of the board of player representatives and, you know, 5% of football fans. People just don't care about these stories, especially when there's no threat impending. Threat level midnight is more than a year away for the NFL when it comes to the possibility of losing games. That's what people care about. Now, look, nobody wants to see the offseason shut down like it was nine years ago, where there was no free agency, or at least free agency was delayed until late July, early August. But we're a year removed from the stuff really hitting the fan. Now, if this vote goes through and the CBA gets ratified, remember, new rules apply. Salary cap should be higher than it was supposed to be. And I think more importantly, for teams like the Titans, the Cowboys, and maybe the Buccaneers to the extent they were thinking about using a tag on Jameis Winston, remember, you only have one tag now with a new CBA. Old CBA, you get a franchise tag and a transition tag. So the Titans could have squatted on Derrick Henry and Ryan Tannehill. The Cowboys could have squatted on Dak Prescott and Amari Cooper. Now the stakes are going to be raised for both teams to try to get one guy signed so the other guy can be franchise tagged. And that's really critical for the Cowboys. And we started banging this drum last year that Prescott and Cooper should come together and agree neither of us is signing a long-term deal. Because if neither of us signs a long-term deal, they can only tag one of us and the other one's guaranteed to hit the open market. If one signs, the other one gets tagged. So that's the next phase of this when the dust settles on the new CBA. And it's still not clear whether or not the NFL gave anything at the meeting, the four-hour meeting that preceded last night's vote by the Board of Player Reps. What happened was they gathered the full management council, the full NFLPA executive committee, 11 members, and five of the Board of Player Representative members for this four-hour meeting. And then the five members of the board met up with the other 27, and they decided what they were going to do and ultimately cast a pretty narrow vote. Again, 17 to 14 with one abstention on adopting the CBA. It would have been something if it would have turned out 16-15 one, because that's a majority of the vote. It's not a majority of the board. I mean, look, I think this thing was getting sent to all players no matter what. I was stunned that... On Monday, they added this extra layer where there had to be a majority of the board 
to vote in favor of this thing because I firmly believe that the upper reaches of union leadership, D. Smith, the executive director, wanted this deal done, believes this is the best thing, and was just having a hard time selling it to his clients. And if ultimately the deal didn't get done, if ultimately the board rejected it, and there's still a possibility the full membership will say, we don't want this. You either have to fire D. Smith or he needs to quit. It's the equivalent of having a lawyer that you have no faith in or a lawyer having a client that won't take the lawyer's advice. It's a simple proposition. Not accepting the proposal that D. Smith is endorsing is a vote of no confidence in the man who has been hired to run the union. And if you're not going to listen to him, then why do you have him? And the next step for the union, which is going to get very interesting, March 10, I believe, that's when they'll vote on a new president. And that's when there will be some new members of the executive committee. It'll be interesting to see if some of those 14 guys, if one of those 14 guys that voted against the CBA becomes the new president, or if there are new members of the executive committee who are also against the CBA, by then it may be too late. The ink may be dry. There may not be a damn thing you can do. So that's ultimately one of the main reasons why they were pushing to get this done. Yeah, you want to get it done before the new league year. Yeah, they want to turn to the TV deals. But when March 10 rolls around and there's a new president of the NFLPA and new members of the executive committee, the whole thing could have been torn up and thrown in the garbage after all those months of negotiation. And that wouldn't have been good for anybody. So the good news is there will be no news as it relates to a lockout, a strike, and leverage, and antitrust litigation. We can go back to forgetting about all those things and focus on a decade of labor peace to follow the decade that we have just enjoyed. And this time around, it wasn't nearly as painful to get to the point where we can say the next 10 years will be harmonious, will be cooperative, and ultimately will be lucrative for the players and for the teams as the game continues to grow, especially since they can now parlay this decade of labor peace into a new set of TV deals before the Bernie Sanders versus Donald Trump debates or Mike Bloomberg versus Donald Trump debates or whoever versus Donald Trump debates end up taking a big chunk out of the ratings, along with the fascination that we'll all have with the looming presidential election and the possibility beyond that of a potential recession. So that's where we are. And here's where we are in Indianapolis at the Scouting Combine. We've got some discussions we had yesterday that we'll be playing for you over the course of the next hour. And we've got plenty of other conversations. We were here from 6 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern yesterday and then did, I don't know how many interviews after that, but we'll be playing a lot of them throughout the course of the day for you on NBC Sports Radio and also on NBCSN. When we return, Justin Herbert, the Oregon quarterback who could end up going in the top five. We had a conversation with him after he was at the podium here at the Scouting Combine yesterday. We will play it for you next right here on PFT Live. They all want to get drafted, but not all of them will. We're back live at the NFL Scouting Combine in Indianapolis. It's Pro Football Talk Live with Mike Florio. 
17 minutes after the hour, it's a Wednesday edition of Pro Football Talk Live from the Scouting Combine in Indianapolis. Yesterday, we were sitting here while behind us at a variety of podiums. There are eight in all, and at one point yesterday, all eight were rocking. The quarterbacks were here in the morning, and Justin Herbert, the Oregon QB, who could end up being a top-five pick. I know there are people who believe that he will be gone in the top-five. He stopped by for a little visit with Chris Sims and me, and here's the conversation that we had. Great to spend some time with you. We know it's a busy time for you here in Indianapolis. You will be throwing, you will be doing the full workout, or Correct. any limitations just, at all? Just no benching. I'll, I'll stick away from benching. No benching? Yeah. Yeah, you could probably do some benching numbers, though. I think you probably, eh, no, okay, negative ghost rider, he can't. What, what led you to wanting to work out? What, what is it about you, your camp, where you said, you know, we're going to work out, not going to wait for the pro day? Yeah, I just want to be a competitor. I just want to go out and, and throw the ball around. I want to give teams a, a good look at myself and uh, just be honest with them and, and go out there and have some fun. Right. What is your ceiling, do you believe, when it's time for the names to get called? I don't know. I, where, where everything happens, uh, it'll happen, and I just have to deal with it. And I'm excited to be here. It's an honor to be invited to this, this experience, and um, I'm really looking forward to it. What are you most nervous about? Not nervous about anything. I'm excited. This is this is such a great opportunity that not too many people get to go through, and uh, being here is it's it's an honor and uh, to be around such great talent. Um, it's been a lot of fun already. You're super talented. I mean, big time talent. Mike's Thank heard you. me say this before. Like, I think you could be the most talented guy in the draft. What is the one thing you hear from teams after the Senior Bowl, or the thing that you feel like you need to show some of these other NFL teams, like? I can improve in this area or something that you want to work on. Yeah, a lot of it's, uh, a lot of it's footwork. Never yeah. taken a snap from under center before right. uh, prior to these two months of training. Um, a lot of it's leadership. I've never been out, outside of Eugene, Oregon, and, and right. that's kind of where I've stayed for my whole life. Right. Um, so it's, it's just how, all about how I'd mesh with a, a new locker room, a new culture, and uh, things like that. Well, what do you say to those people who question that? Because that's the first thing I heard about you with like people around the NFL. The concern was, oh, he's never been out of Eugene. You know, what kind of kid is he? Is he going to be good in a big city? Whatever is like, what's your answer to that? Yeah, that's that's a great point. I've, I've really enjoyed my time in Eugene, Oregon. Yeah. I've, I've, I've loved that place. And um, these past two months that I've spent away from it, I've, I've really enjoyed it. And um, on my own playing football, and I, th- I think there's – I don't think there's anything better than that. And I've yeah. really enjoyed the, these yeah. past two months. All right, cool. You were the MVP of the Senior Bowl. What did you learn most from that whole week, that whole process that you think is going to help prepare you for what's coming in the NFL? Yeah, it's kind of about how a, an NFL team works. I uh, got to learn a playbook. I uh, got to be around guys and, and had to call plays in the huddle and uh, had to go under center. And so a lot of things that I didn't do in college, I had to do there and um, got to kind of see just how, how it works. And um, I th- thought it was a great week and really enjoyed it. You, like, you know, you, you're coming to the NFL. I want to know two things. Who was your idol growing up, and who's the guy that you'd be most excited to see this year on the field where you're just like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe I'm playing against this person. Any jump out names? Uh, I would say Joey Harrington. I, I grew up watching him, and so he was Oh, he's going to Oregon. He's going Oregon idol. And so, wow. And then I would say to play against someone, Tom Brady. Tom Brady. Yeah. That would be the one. Okay. I was expecting someone different than Joey Harrington. I'm not going to lie. Not a whole just, lot of Joey, Joey Harrington, Harrington fans out there. You may instantly be the president of the Oregon. fan club. Yeah. You totally caught me by surprise <laughs> with that one. But you're, I get it. I mean, he's an Oregon guy, and he was pretty big time there at Oregon. Yeah, he was. He <laughs> yeah, was. Yeah. Wasn't he on the cover of one of the college football games way back in the yeah. day? Are what? you a Madden guy or a Fortnite guy? Or uh, both? Madden. Madden? Good. Yeah. My man. What, he has uh, four or Xbox. Xbox. Ah, if you were PS4, I'd, I'd let you beat me by 100 points. Well, he would. Don't worry. He definitely would. <laughs> All right. I, we're ta- you know, a lot of talk about, first off, your hand size. Mm-hmm. What did you get measured in at yesterday? 10 inches. 10 inches. Okay, cool. All right, so wait. This is a great experiment. 
Because my hand, so I know, look, I already know his hands, mine are bigger wide-wise, but see how his are longer? His fingers are longer. So that's what I'm saying. They need to change the measurement process. It should be bottom of the hand all the way to, to the top of the middle finger. Not, I have a double-jointed thumb. It's not fair. Like, it's, it's, what did you yeah. measure in there? I got 10 and a half. Wow. Yeah, because I could really spread them out that way because my both are double-jointed. Yeah. I could do this too. So that's not fair, right? So, um, okay, now grip the football. I'd like to see your grip just because we're talking about it a lot. Uh, so he's a two and under five guy. Another guy that's like that. Joe Burrow's kind of like that. Aaron Rodgers is like that. You always gri- gripped it like that? That's From, just kind of the way it does it. just way it does it. I grabbed the ball and I, th- and I threw it. Yeah, you don't even think about it. Yeah. You've always done it. And you've, you haven't had to play with it like as compared to a college football to an NFL ball. You're still gripping it the same way, right? Same, same way. Yeah. Okay. So there Did you, you notice a difference when you got an NFL ball in your hands versus the college football you were used to? Not too much. I mean, there's a little bit of a change, but uh, overall, you get used to it, and a couple of weeks into it, you're... you're, you're you like it better it. or worse? I do enjoy throwing the NFL. Right? Ball. The yeah. laces are better. The yeah. leather's better quality, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. When did you realize, Justin, when was that moment, whether it was a pass, whether it was a decision, a moment, anything, that you can get it in the NFL, that you can get it done, that you're destined to play in the NFL and succeed there? I don't know. I think that's just something that you kind of get a, a feel for. Is and I don't think there was one specific moment. I think uh, overall, the over the course of my career, um, I feel like I've I've had enough success, and I, I feel like I am confident with my abilities that that uh, playing at the next level is something I want to do. I want to play this game as long as I can, and uh, when I'm done playing, I want to coach. I want to be around this game for as long as I can, and uh, whether it's long enough or or, or not, I'm, I'm gonna be ready when it comes, and uh, just excited to be here. There was a lot of talk last year that you would have been a top 20 pick. What ultimately led you to staying in college one more year? A whole lot of reasons. I wanted to finish the year off with the guys that I came in with. We had a great group of of seniors this year. Um, Wanted to come back, wanted to be better. Uh, I felt like I could improve. Uh, My younger brother was going to be on the team. Uh, Growing up in Oregon, always was a Duck fan, so there was was nothing better than that. It was special to you. Yeah. Yeah. What Uh, position did your younger brother play? Tight end. Now... Numbers wise, I mean, I don't want to like you don't have to predict, but you're going to do everything. Are you going to run run the 40 mm-hmm. do it all like, come on, give me a ballpark like ballpark. What do you think 40 you can do? We're not going to like, you know, if you don't meet it, we won't get on you too hard, too hard. As long as it's below a four eight, I'm, I'm good. With you're that. going to be happy. Yeah. I mean, you think you got a chance to do like four, six, eight, four, six, nine. Hopefully. Oh, uh, he's too shy and nice. Of course you do. Of course you do. You don't want to do. set the bar too high, though. Okay. You want to set it low. Well, and then it's I've been success. watching him run down the sideline just for 40-yard touchdown. A, a sub six. As long as they get under six, I'll well, be happy. Well, he's under four eight, but he's going to run under four that's eight. Good. That was well, a very broad good. answer. That's good. Under six if, seconds, if yeah. You, yeah, there we go. That's good. Then it's going to be a smashing success. He busted it by more than a second and a half. What sport would you be playing if you weren't playing football? Not basketball, that's for sure. <laughs> no, You're six, six. I'd probably be playing baseball. What position did you play? Uh, I played pitcher. You were well, a pitcher? Actually, I played shortstop for, for most of my life, and then I hit a growth spurt, so they had to move me out of shortstop. Oh, yeah, they were too big to too play that position. Too many balls going through my leg. Yeah. <laughs> that's great. So then they pitcher, and what, did you go to the outfield the at all? First base. That was Justin Herbert with us on Tuesday here at the Scouting Combine in Indianapolis, and we... We had so many yesterday, I have lost track of who we spoke to. We had several receivers, including Michael Pittman Jr., the son of Michael Pittman, if you remember him. He was on with us after the radio show ended. You can find that interview at profootballtalk.com. Plenty of coaches and general managers throughout the course of the day also. The downside of this scheduling change and this adjustment for the scouting combine, nearly all of the coaches and GMs were here on Tuesday. It used to be spread over two days. The positive is prospects are here much more 
uh, frequently than they were in the past. And they're here earlier and they're here when we're here. And so we corralled several of them yesterday, maybe doing the same throughout the course of the day. And the beauty of that is we have no idea who we're getting and when. Just here they come. So that makes it even more fun uh, and uh, unpredictable for what kind of conversations we're going to have. And it makes it very loose. We're trying to keep it loose. We're trying to have fun, especially with the prospects. they got a hard enough week as it is. We're not trying to add to their stress. We're trying to get them to laugh a little bit and maybe unwind a little bit because you think about it, they're getting them up early. They're taking them from place to place. They get poked and prodded. They get treated almost like cattle, really, when they go for their medical check. And then they get passed from team to team at night, and they're asked, questions that are aimed at cracking through the facade of preparation that their agents will expose them to in the hopes that ultimately the truth will come out. The real guy will surface. That's what they're all trying to do as they they make a pretty big investment. When you use any draft pick on a player, number one, you're taking one guy over someone else you could have selected, but also you're making a significant financial investment, especially in the first round. The first 20 picks or so get four-year fully guaranteed contracts. You know, whenever someone says there aren't fully guaranteed contracts in football, I try to remind them the first 20 to 22 picks of the draft every year get four-year fully guaranteed contracts. That was part of the trade-off for the rookie wage scale in 2011, which dramatically reduced what the players at the top of the draft make. They get less, but it's all fully guaranteed. All four years, fully guaranteed. So it's a big investment. They're trying to make the right decisions on the players that will help their teams. You take the wrong guy, and you set your franchise back uh, as you try to build that nucleus of players who will be part of your team for the next four or five years and hopefully beyond. All right, a guy who ended up making a very good selection with the first overall pick last year, Cliff Kingsbury, the Arizona Cardinals. He wanted Kyler Murray. He got Kyler Murray. We caught up with Cliff Kingsbury as he gets ready for his second year with the Cardinals. We'll play that for you next right here on Pro Football Talk Live. We're back covering the most intense four-day job interview of all time. It's Pro Football Talk Live at the 2020 NFL Scouting Combine. Let's see who Florio likes. Here we are with a year under his belt as head coach of the Arizona Cardinals. He's Cliff Kingsbury. Welcome back, Coach. Great to see you. Thanks for having me. Good to see you all. Biggest lesson you've learned that that you didn't know when you were sitting here a year ago that you know now that you wish you'd maybe known last year? I I think just, you know, each game comes down to that last possession. So situational football and then consistency in your approach week in, week out. I mean, you're going to have ups and downs over 16 weeks, but you got to be consistent and and those players will follow. Even for you, a guy who played in close games and coached close, like, is, is it amazing how the NFL literally, I mean, comes down to two or three plays. It really is. And each week you can point them out to your team and, and they either went your way or they didn't. Right. And um, that, that's going to be a big focus this offseason, the situational football. I mean, you guys are in the toughest division in football, which is the bad news. The good news, though, Kyle Mur- Kyler Murray is the real deal, without question. I, you know, I was glad to see him win Offensive Rookie of the Year so people would give him the praise he deserves. I think it was he was overlooked because other teams had better records. But he did special things. I, did he exceed your expectations for him coming in? I, I knew, you know, the, the skill set was was through the roof. And but I thought he really developed 
as the season went on in some, some big areas, you know, leadership qualities, the approach to the game. It's just such a grind for those guys being the face of the franchise at 22. But I thought he handled it well, matured. And um, we're hoping year two will take one of those big jumps like some of those guys, Mahomes and, and Jackson, have done uh, in their young careers. You always knew he was a freak. I mean, I've heard your comments, whether you're at Texas Tech or even before that. Anything about his game that jumped out to you even more where you were just like, man, he's better at that than I thought? I mean, or, or were you already, like, locked in on him? Yeah, I mean, the skill set I always knew was ridiculous. Yeah. I'd never seen anybody move on a field like that and, and the throwing motion and accuracy, things of that yeah, nature. I know. I just it's, can't get over the power and accuracy consistency how, from no the doubt, guy. How right. quick he can get it out. But I think just his approach to the game, the way he sees the game, the information that he can bring back to you after a series, I, I was really impressed by that. Yeah. yeah I, I was amazed by the way the ball explodes out of his hand and then explodes right. into the hands of the receiver. He's got an incredible zip. And you said something that caught my attention because I've been saying the same thing about Kyler Murray. We saw Mahomes year two, what he did. Jackson year two, what he did. Kyler's got more experience, more accomplishment than either of them had. What are you doing to prepare him for what could happen? Because it could be he's the guy in 2020 that takes the league by storm the way Mahomes and Jackson did the two prior years. Yeah, as a coach, it's exciting because I, I can point to that, and he sees it, you know, and, and he sees it's attainable. They did a great job, both those organizations, building around those two quarterbacks, putting great players around them, and, and, and we're trying to do the same. But uh, Kyler's expectation of himself is so much higher than, than any of ours that uh, that's what he expects, and, and we just got to work hard this offseason to try to get there. All right. I mean, air raid, guns up, do, do, do. Like, okay. You know, I don't like it because he beat me my senior year. He threw the ball like 84 times yeah. in the damn game, and they beat us. They went for it on every fourth down. So I got a great experience of that damn offense, okay? But tell us two things just about the offense translating to the NFL. Did you have to tinker with it? And then the difference between NFL defenses and then maybe what you saw in the Big 12 on a consistent basis. Yeah, those, those are great questions. I, I think uh, initially, you know, I, I tried to kind of hold the offense back and not run it like we were going to in the preseason and, right. and have that element of surprise. And that was probably a mistake because over about the first month, there was a real feel-out process, our personnel, how we could do it, how we could be most effective. And I think after about the first month, we got a feel. And, and we definitely tinkered some things, more tight end sets, uh, kind of played to our personnel strengths. Yeah. And then, you know, defensively, just a ton more man coverage you know yeah. you, you played in the big 12 you know there's seams and zones and and uh you know people running wide open wide open there. It's, right. it's a little different right different in this league and and the, the defense coordinators are, are geniuses and come up with great plans week in and week out so I, I think um the approach to the game week in week out knowing you're going to get a tough look is it, it's a challenge I, I i almost fell off the chair i want to say week two when Kyler Murray went under the center in Baltimore, <laughs> were you like, okay, I can't believe this? I'm I was telling just my glad quarterback. We, we executed the exchange. You yeah, did. okay. He hadn't taken a lot under center at this point, but we're working towards that. It, it's an element of the game we want to get better at, and, and I think it'll expand this season. Yeah. Today in the NFL, at the quarterback position, I think it's a 365 day a year job. Even in the offseason, you're working, you're training, you're thinking, you're studying. How do you react when you hear Kyler Murray from time to time use about playing baseball? while he's playing football. Yeah, he's not playing baseball. So, <laughs> so I know, I mean, Have you told he's, him that? he's a confederate. He knows. He knows how I feel. I told him I would actually or kill, I would kill him. Yeah, I actually kill him. I'll join him. I'll kill you. him because I'm out of a job, buddy. So, um, no, but he's such a competitor. I think he just wants people to know, hey, don't forget that I was a top 10 pick in baseball as well and could do it if, if, uh, if it was actually possible. Right. Um, okay. When did you feel comfortable? Like, when were you like, okay, this NFL thing, 
you know, coaching on the sidelines, yelling at refs. When did it finally sink yeah, in? Yeah, I, I think okay. I'm still working through that. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm definitely much more settled. I think as a staff, we feel much more settled going into year two. But it's it's so much to take on. There's so many different levels to it. But I, I'm enjoying the process. Yeah. Do you have any officials that you've gotten used to seeing <laughs> for some of your games that you like to yell at more than others? I try to keep it pretty low key. I, I, I don't think it helps too much. But those guys, they'll come back at you in this league. Like, they won't just take it. So it makes it kind of fun. And your division. Like, that's the other thing. Like, holy cow, Put us back Batman. in the NFC East, for crying out loud, yeah, where we used to be. It's, it's week in, week out. I mean, you got some offensive geniuses, and you got Pete, who's one of the best coaches of all time, college or NFL. Um, so you got to bring it. Uh, they, they've all had their run, and we're hoping to kind of build this thing and catch up to some of those guys. Uh, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. After the Chiefs won the Super Bowl, did you reach out to Patrick? I did. I did. I actually saw him this weekend. Um, just fired up for him. He's such a, I mean, y'all got to know him a little bit, but such a good person. As, as phenomenal as he is on the field, he's even better off. Would you see him in Vegas? Were you at the fight? I did. I did. I didn't get as good a seats as him, but I got to see him. <laughs> got, to see, got to see him before it. And uh, he's just, he's doing great. He's got a lot on his plate, but handling it so well. What do you hear? Like, what, what goes through your brain when you hear expanded playoffs and one extra game? How do you feel about that? Yeah, I'm excited about it. I mean, you're playing four preseason anyway, so if you can knock one of those off and then get an extra game, and, and then the playoffs to be able to tell your team, hey, we're still in it, and as long as possible, I right. think it's a positive for everybody. Yeah, I hear that. What's your objective for this year, especially in light of the division? Because everybody, oh, we want to make the playoffs and win the Super Bowl. You got the 49ers, the Seahawks, and the Rams. Right. Like, what's a successful season for you yeah, in just, year two? Just to show, you know, um, improvement, really. I, I thought we, we implemented everything. Now we got to improve those processes and, and just show improvement in all three phases. And if we do that, you know, we'll be in the mix at the end. One player, just give me one, all right, your first year, you know, in the NFL, you just went like, holy cow, I can't get over how good that player is or how big he is. Or I would say Fitz. I mean, just when you watch that guy each and every day, Fitzgerald, it's, it's insane the way he still practices. The last week, you know, we're playing uh, the Rams. We're out of it. They're out of it. It's Friday. It's raining outside. He's diving for passes at the right. Friday practice. I mean, he's just an absolute machine and can still really get it done on the okay, field. Okay, that was an easy one. Now, give me one on another team. Like Somebody anybody, that you saw, you're like, I don't want to see person. that guy again. Whether, I mean, I know you played Russell. Russell Wilson. Yeah, uh, he was free. We played Lamar. You know, Lamar, yeah. it, it, Lamar, you play the zone read and you're waiting on him and he still pulls it and runs past you. I mean, he's that freaky talent-wise, his explosiveness. And, right. and he, he throws it better than I anticipated. I mean, he yeah. really had a hell of a year. Over 300 of the very best college football players have been invited to the NFL Scouting Combine. Let's see who Florio likes. This is Pro Football Talk Live in Indianapolis. Here's Mike. 47 minutes after the hour, Wednesday edition of Pro Football Talk Live. Hang over to NBCSN in about 13 minutes. Yesterday at the podium here in the big room at the Indianapolis Convention Center, John Lynch, the 49ers GM, and Kyle Shanahan, the 49ers head coach, both were predictably asked about quarterback Jimmy Garoppolo. Now, remember, the 49ers structure their contracts in a way that gives them maximum flexibility when it comes to the vesting of guarantees. They have until April 1 to make decisions. And for Jimmy Garoppolo, there's $15 million plus in money that becomes fully guaranteed on April 1. That is an eternity as far as NFL offseason deliberations is concerned because if, as now expected with the CBA vote, the new league year begins on March 18, that's a full 13 days 
for the 49ers to consider their options before recommitting to Jimmy Garoppolo, apparently. They don't need those extra 13 days. Both Lynch and Shanahan have made it clear that Jimmy Garoppolo is their guy, said Lynch at the podium yesterday. We're extremely proud of Jimmy and committed to Jimmy moving forward. He's our guy. The room for growth has not come close to hitting the ceiling. That's Lynch. Kyle Shanahan said Jimmy deserves a ton of credit for what he did last year. I think people talk a little bit about how he was coming off an ACL, but I also think that people don't realize that was his first year playing quarterback in this league. I, look, I, Kyle, it, wh- where's this narrative come from that's his first year? He played in 2016. He played in 2017. Yeah, he got hurt in week three of 2018, but it's not a rookie. He's played before. It was his first full season. That's fine. And I'm going to go back to the ultimate litmus test. When it's time to step up on those one or two occasions over the course of your entire NFL career where you have a championship riding on the throw that you make, you either make it or you don't. And he didn't. I still have that vision burned into my brain from three weeks and three days ago. Feels like it was a lot longer, but it feels like it's also just happening right now. Emmanuel Sanders breaks open. It's 24-20. Ball's in the air. I said, oh, crap, oh, crap, oh, crap, although I didn't say crap. And the ball ultimately wasn't close enough for Sanders to catch. It was on the quarterback. So some guys make that throw. Some guys don't. The 49ers are all in with the guy who didn't make that throw. I like guys who make that throw. That's all I'm saying. Those guys aren't easy to find, though, although one is becoming a free agent next month. And he grew up rooting for the 49ers. And it looks like the door is slammed on the possibility of a championship season with Tom Brady. Does anyone doubt the 49ers would have won the Super Bowl last year if Tom Brady was their quarterback? Is there anyone who doubts that? When you consider everything the 49ers could do well defensively, the running game, does anyone really doubt they would have won that game, gotten to the game and won it with Tom Brady? I don't think there's any doubt about that, even against the phenomenal Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. So, Jimmy G, still the guy. Three years left on his contract. And Hey, if he's the guy, go ahead and extend it. You know, at some point, Garoppolo's got to look at his contract versus the contract of other quarterbacks and say, put your money where your mouth is. I'm underpaid. I'm going to pull up his contract here. I I think the numbers, remember, he was the highest paid player in football when he signed this deal after the 2017 season. Uh, The market has shifted dramatically since then, and it's going to shift even more dramatically once Patrick Mahomes gets his new contract. But right now, Jimmy G is due to make $23.8 million this year, plus per-game roster bonuses of 800000 which could get him to 24.6. You throw in another $600,000 workout bonus, that's 25.2. Next year, maximum payout of 25.5. Next year, maximum payout of 25.6. That is middle of the pack, low middle of the pack. By the time we get to 2022, 2021, 22, he's going to be in the bottom third of all veteran quarterbacks. So uh, we'll see. We'll see at what point they they decide to extend their relationship with Jimmy Garoppolo. Even father's made good money over the past two years. No question about that. He's made $60 million over the first two years. But that rate drops over the next three. And uh, if they believe in him, there's only Look, you can talk all you want. If you believe in a guy, there's one way to prove it, and that's break out the checkbook and pay him again, and we'll see if they do it.
I saw that, uh, speaking of quarterbacks, Chris Greer, the GM of the Miami Dolphins, and, and I think he may be trolling people with this. He said this a couple of times now. He feels good about having all these extra picks in the event they need to trade up for a quarterback. I mean, why would you say that if that's what you're planning to do? Doesn't, doesn't it work the other way where if that's what you're planning to do, it's the last thing you say? I really do feel like he's just kind of messing with us. I do. I think they're happy to stand pat. Now, you know, what may have to happen is if there's a run on quarterbacks, if they're content to take Tua at five, although reportedly they have decided to become somewhat smitten with Justin Herbert. That's a long way from Oregon to Miami. But if they take Herbert or Tua at five, if they think they can get him at five, then you stand pat. Maybe they have to trade up a little bit to get one of them. Anytime I think of the Dolphins trading up, though, I think of Joe Burrow because I, I guarantee you their owner, Stephen Ross, wants Joe Burrow. Whether he gets Joe Burrow, different issue. Wants Joe Burrow. But, uh, and, and look, I don't want to go back down the Joe Burrow rabbit hole. We talked yesterday about what Burrow said and what he didn't say. I still am astounded there are people in the media, and I think they're just pandering to this angry mob of Bengals fans that came out of nowhere. Like, where are all you people, especially on Sundays during football season when the Bengals have home games? I had no idea there was such a rabid Bengals fan base because I see their stadium. I see the wide shots at halftime in the NBC viewing room. There ain't nobody there. But don't suggest that that Joe Burrow may not want to play for the Bengals. If you do that, you get the Bengals mafia after you. They're almost as rabid as the XFL mafia. Say anything bad about the XFL and you got to deal with them on social media. Uh Uh-oh. Ratings dropped last week for the second straight week. People get mad. The ratings dropped. What are we supposed to do? Say they didn't? When NFL ratings drop, we say so. We don't have an angry mob of NFL fans that say you hate the NFL. Why are you reporting this? Because it's a fact. Sorry. I like facts. So, uh, anyway, back to Joe Burrow. Just because he has submitted to the process or I guess more accurately expressed yesterday a willingness to submit to the process because he can't control the process, that doesn't mean he wants to go to the Bengals. It does not. And these are important conversations to have. We never factor in what the kid wants. They, they get to pick where they play coming out of high school. They get to pick their college. They don't get to pick their pro team. Do, do we really think, I mean, Bengals fans, ask yourself this question. If Joe Burrow got to pick where he was going to play, if he was in charge of selecting his next destination, do you think he'd pick the Bengals? Do you? Do you really think he'd pick the Bengals? If he could pick any of the 32 teams to play for and had the opportunity to meet with those teams, and he's the one who holds the cards. He's got the leverage. He's got the power because he picks. He's the free agent. They have to come to him. They have to kiss the ring like teams are going to do with Tom Brady. Would he pick the Bengals? I'm not going to answer it. I'll, I'll let Bengals fans answer that for themselves. Ben Roethlisberger, same division as the Cincinnati Bengals. Recovering from elbow surgery, throwing again. Kevin Colbert was making the rounds yesterday. We had him on the program. He said to us, and he said at the podium, that Roethlisberger may be better coming off of this surgery. And his reasoning is that Roethlisberger's had a year off of football. He's had a chance for his body to heal up. Now, I don't know that one year off makes up for the pounding the guy has taken since 2004. 
I mean, we have seen him with guys hanging off of him and beaten and bruised and bloodied and injured. And I, I am concerned that we are at a point in Ben Roethlisberger's career where the body is going to begin to break down. And the first body part was the elbow. And the next body part may be a knee or a foot or a hip or whatever. But he's been carrying a large body around playing NFL football for a long time now. And that's going to catch up to you at some point. And that's really the question. Was it a one-time thing? And is he good to go into his 40s? I mean, just because we've seen a couple of guys make it past 40 does not mean that all of a sudden the default is that guys are going to be able to easily play into their 40s. There is nothing easy about that, especially when you're a pretty big guy who has taken a pounding over the last 15 years. So we'll find out. But, you know, every year there's a team whose fortunes are dramatically changed uh, early in the year by an injury that happens to a quarterback. Last year it was the Steelers, and the reality is with all this talk in the offseason, all this buildup, talking about potential and looking at the schedule and where are the wins and how do we get to the postseason, seasons are going to get derailed in September. It happened to the Steelers last year, although they almost pulled it together and got to the playoffs. It's going to happen to somebody again in 2020. And then it's going to be, how can you hold it together with your backup? You know, we're at a point where there are a lot of great starting quarterbacks in the NFL. There used to be a crisis of not having enough great starters. There still aren't nearly enough good backups. So when that starting quarterback goes, you got a problem. You got a big problem. All right, we got two hours of radio, four hours coming up on NBCSN. My main man here is playing hurt today, but he powered through. He powered through. There's a trash can between us for some reason. That's all I'm saying about the situation. There's never a trash can between us. There is today. So, hey, at least I got an easy receptacle for my Coke Zero can or whatever else I want to throw in there. So, hey, it's, maybe, maybe it's a good addition to the setup. We'll be back with more PFT Live right after this. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.